Fifteen years ago today, our nation was attacked by hate with skin on. We need to take a moment and remember. Many of you remember where you were that day. This morning, Walt brought in this hat. It was worn by a firefighter who lost his life in that vicious attack. We need not treat this as sacred, but we need to treat this as a memorial to what we will become that is better than what was done to us. The Bible says don't fight evil with evil, but overcome evil with good. And so therefore, we're gonna take just a moment of silence, and then we're gonna pray for the families of the first responders and for ourselves as we go forward. Would you, would you just take a moment of silence just out of respect for those who gave their lives? Lord, we honor those who, like Jesus, gave their lives so that others could live. Those who, like Jesus, would rescue with their own blood. We pray for the families of the first responders, of the firemen and the policemen and the the medical personnel and, and the armed forces. And, and we pray for the grief that they still feel from time to time. We ask you to bless their lives and expand their ministries. And we pray for our country that we would become better no matter what is done to us, that we would have a better way, that we would love instead of hate that we would build bridges where there are chasms, that we would be peacemakers so that we can be your sons and daughters. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, so many of you gave your lives to Christ and you decided that you would become bridge builders. We're in this new series. You know, we're kind of partial to bridges here, as you might see from the worship architecture. And that's for a very simple reason. In summary form, Satan is a great divider. It's what he does. It's his only strategy. He wants to make our differences into chasms and separateness. He wants us to isolate ourselves so that we will not be united. God, on the other hand, it says, as we learned last week in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18, God was in the world reconciling the world to himself through Christ. He gives us the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, bridge building. Bridge building. The, 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 the basic stance of, of the culture that we belong to and the kingdom that we're a part of is the culture that we belong to says strength is in taking a stand. 
The kingdom says strength is in taking a step. The culture says strength is in taking a stand against. The kingdom says strength is in taking a step toward. This is, of course, after the nature of God who bridged the farthest chasm of all. The creator of the universe, who was the Word. It says in John chapter 1, verse 14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory, glories of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Can you imagine the extent of the chasm, the length of the bridge between heaven and earth? God spanned it because God has made us from the very beginning for relationships, watch this, to unite differences, not divide because of differences. In the original creation story, it's all paradigmatic in the creation of the first man and woman. It says that he made Adam, put him into the garden to cultivate it and to keep it, Genesis 2.15. And then he gave uh, uh, um, Adam all these animals to name. First he said in Genesis 2.18, God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Now what does that Hebrew word helper mean? I've taught you this before. The Hebrew word for helper is one who answers back or one who talks back to her husband. That's literally what it means. A wife is one who talks back, to, not being snitty, not cutting him down, but having a perspective he doesn't have because she's different than he is. You see, God pictures a world of closeness because we are enough like to be intimate. That's why he couldn't get a date out of the animals. After he named all the animals, it said there was not found one suitable for him. He kept looking for a date, couldn't find one. Not, not enough like him to be close, but watch this. He made this woman out of the man, which made she, means she was enough like him to be close, but different enough to be necessary. That's why he had to bring her to the man. In the ancient pageantry of the original wedding, the father brings the bride to the man. Why? Because she sees things differently. She's in a different place, both geographically and biographically. So what does God see for all of us? See, he does the same thing in the church. He wires us all differently with different spiritual gifts yet we are one body. We will never know truly what our gift is until we are connected with people with different gifts to see how we fit together. It's not about where you are, it's about who you are in relationship that is important. And so, God says, I want you to build bridges. I want you to make connections with people who are different than you are. And there's something very important about building bridges. You can never build bridges from where you are, watch, from your own perspective. 
See, if you know anything about bridge building, just physical bridge building, a bridge isn't build, built just from putting a footing in one place. In order to span a chasm, you got to go across the chasm, no matter how much effort that takes, and you got to build a, a footing on the other side. So that, so that there are two sides to that foundation for a bridge. Because our perspective isn't enough to make a connection. We have to understand their perspective. We have to, we have to, we have to realize that, that we've been given a gift to share. We've got something to offer just like we are. But the kingdom is built not by expanding the old, but by combining it with the new. Jesus said this in, 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 in um, Matthew chapter 13, verse 52. Jesus said to them, therefore every scribe who has become a disciple of the kingdom of heaven is like the head of a household who brings out of his treasure things new and old. So do you have to change everything you believe, everything you've always been? No, of course not. You're part of the gift, but you're only one of the footings. You have to go to something new. You had to add something different. That's the only way the world's going to change. Not just by improving the old, but by connecting with what is new. You see, we tend to become idolaters in that we will pick out some little thing we really like and we will think that's the only thing that's important. I, I, I remember this story, I, I think I've told it to you a long time ago, but, but, the, but the devil and a demon walking down, the, walking down a path one time and there was a guy just probably a couple hundred yards ahead and, and they were just kind of, this devil and demon are talking and, and, and the guy a couple of years just stops, looks at something, bends over and picks it up. Something really shiny. And so the demon says to the devil, what did he just pick up? And, and the devil says, oh, it's, it's a piece of the truth. He found a piece of the truth. And the demon says to the devil, doesn't that scare you that he would have a piece of the truth? And the devil said, no, I'll just have him make a religion out of it. That's what we do. We have a piece of the truth and we make a religion out of it. It becomes an idol. And God's saying, no. Do you, you remember how the gospel was first spread between two entirely different cultures? He sent Paul who was a Pharisee of a Pharisee. You talk about, you couldn't get any more Jewish than Paul. Sent Paul to Athens. You couldn't get any more Gentile than Athens. Any more, it was a, a, a city full of idols, full of partial truths, full of household gods. And the Bible says that Paul's spirit was provoked in him. So he went to the leaders of the city at the Areopagus because these people were always curious. And so it says in 19 that they, they, they said, tell us some more about this stuff you've been, you've been 
telling everybody. In verse 20 it says this, For you are bringing some strange things to our ears, and we want to know what these things mean. So Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus. Some of you have been there, by the way. It's a very slippery rock right now because it's been climbed so many times. But he stood in their midst and he said, Men of Athens, I observe that you are religious in all respects. In other words, he complimented them. He started out like this. This is what I like about you. This is what I respect about you. That's where he starts. All right? Doesn't start with an argument. Doesn't start with differences. He starts with commonality and respect. And then he says this, for while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, city foot of, can I just say, if, the, if, if, the, if Paul came to the United States, he'd see a nation full of idols. We worship a whole lot of stuff that isn't God. And so, I, 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 examining the objects of your worship, I also found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. Another thing, there might be something you're curious about. Therefore, and then he goes on to explain this God, watch this, in terms of their own philosophy and poetry. Do you know what that means? He had lived with them long enough to be able to repeat what they believe and use it so that they could identify with God from where they were at. What does that teach us? It teaches us that the footings of a bridge have to come from two different places. And we have our work cut out for us. If we're going to love like Jesus, we're going to have to do something that we see, and this is the next few weeks I'm going to be teaching, on the woman at the well, his conversation with the woman at the well. Now this is for obvious reasons. Because this is a conversation, all of us need to begin a conversation with people we don't normally talk to. If you can have anything new in your life, you've got to step out and have a conversation, at least an initial conversation, with somebody you don't normally talk to. That's the new, in the new and old, that's the new. <laughs> And so this is, this is a great paradigmatic uh, conversation because we can pick up a lot of how to do this. And I'll teach you how to do it every step of the way. But the first step is this, is to know that Jesus overcame at least four barriers to have an initial conversation that society would have told him he shouldn't be having. Even his religion would have told him he shouldn't be having, especially his religion. It says this. It says in John chapter, three, uh, chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. It says, now, he left Judea and went away again into Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. Now, he didn't have to pass through Samaria for geographical reasons, but for biographical reasons. You see, a lot of Jews hated Samaria, uh, Samaria so much and the Samaritans so much and looked down their nose at Samaritans so much that they literally crossed over the Jordan and went through what was then Persia around Samaria in order to get to Galilee. So they didn't even have to step foot on that geography. But not Jesus. You know why? 
because part of our journey is different geography. Do you remember how we got started? Remember what it says in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Our forefather, Abram, was called out into a different land. It says in Genesis 12, 1, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. I want you to see several things here. First of all, I want you to see he went without a safety net. Everything was familiar to him. He had to leave. Everything that gave him security, he had to leave. By the way, some of this will seem threatening to us because we've got all these categories and we've got all, you know, the, my regular life and all that kind of stuff. I want you to start thinking like a child. Could you do that? Do you remember when, when, when the disciples said, who's the greatest in the kingdom? Remember what Jesus did? He brought a child and put the child before him. And he says, I say to you, unless you become like one of these, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. You'll never see the kingdom of heaven. What's a child? A child's curious. A child doesn't have a lot of categories. He just wants to know what you know. He wants to know about your life. Tell me a story, you know? A child delights in a new relationship. I want to become like little children. I don't want to be all freaked out. I want this to be fun. And it will be fun if you let yourself just kind of get out of your own territory. You see, that's what Jesus did that day. That's what Abraham, a lot of the relationships that you have to build, a lot of the conversations, you know what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to go to a different geography. If you really want to have a conversation with somebody who's different, go to their home territory. Go to where they live. You'll understand a lot more about them if you can kind of play on their home field for a while. So it's a different geography. One of the four boundaries that Jesus crossed that day was a geographical boundary. From Judah into Samaria. From Israel into Samaria. And then when he did that, he went and sat by Jacob's well. And, and, and his disciples had gone into town just to, just to get some supplies, you know. And the Bible says in John chapter 4, verses 7 through 9, it says, There came a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink, since I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. See the broad chasm. No dealings with Samaritans. First of all, let me ask you this. Just a little bit of, I, I want to give you a little Bible factoid here, a little Bible trivia. How did she know he was a Jew? He's just sitting there. How would she know he's a Jew? Well, some people say, well, well he... Maybe he looked like a Jew. <laughs> Jew Samaritans. That's, that's a pretty fine line to cut. You know, you just kind of look like, you know, maybe he was dressed. You know, sometimes people dressed in their tribal, you know, I, I don't know. I know how she knew, though. When he said, give me to drink, the, 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 the Aramaic um, um, in, in, for, for give me to drink is um, Tanelishkath. 
But Samaritans don't pronounce the esh sound. The Samaritans, they, they make it into an s sound. So when he said tane lish koth instead of tane lis koth, she knew by the accent he was Jewish. And that's why he said, how is it that you, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan woman? I want you to see the other three barriers he crossed. He'd already crossed the geographic barrier. So sometimes we'll have to go to a different geography to have a new conversation. He also crossed the gender barrier. Men didn't speak with women in public back in that time. And so he went against every social custom in treating a woman as equal as a man. He also transgressed the religious barrier. Why was she out there in the middle of the day? It was the sixth hour at noon. There were two reasons. First of all, she was poor. Women of any means at all didn't go out for water back then. They sent the servants. Only poor women went actually to get water. Why was she there in the middle of the day? Because she was ashamed. As we'll see as we go into the rest of this, this conversation in, in later weeks, because she was ashamed. She knew no other woman would be out there to draw water in the heat of the day. They all went, came early in the morning, and she didn't want to run into other people. She was ashamed. It was a religious thing. Because she'd lived with all these, she was living with a man who wasn't her husband, and she'd, she'd been married and divorced five times, and in that, in that culture, man, you were just, you were toast, morally. So he transgressed this religious barrier. And then, of course, the cultural barrier. The barrier that says, your group isn't my group. We don't think alike. We have different subcultures. Jesus spanned every one of them, initiated conversation through every one of them. Now, I want you to see what he did, because this is really important. If you are going to have a conversation with somebody new, somebody different, I want you to know to follow Jesus in how he did it. See, he didn't pull out any card of superiority. He didn't pull the man card. He didn't pull the Jew card. He didn't pull the, 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 the social card. He didn't pull any of those cards. He was simply a man in need. I need what you have. I place you in the position of strength. Would you give me a drink? Let me tell you something about relationships. Something you all pro already probably know, but maybe sometimes you don't, you don't understand the fullness of the impact. In order to be winsome and inviting in a relationship, you have to hold them as having something you need. See, people, restri they respect strength, but they connect at weaknesses. They connect at vulnerabilities. God knew that when he came into the world as a baby. The one who made the universe came into the world as a baby, connecting strength with vulnerability. Here's what the Bible says, God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. We know that from following God and what, he got, and what God did. 
It says in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. I want you to see how these two are linked together. For unto us a child will be born. This is a Christmas thing, but we're going to use it in, in, in September just because we can. For a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us. And the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Oh, man, don't you like the titles that come at the end of that? Boy, that's what I want. I want to run the government. I, I want to be Wonderful Counselor. That's what I want to be. But nobody wants to be what comes at the beginning of it. Somebody who doesn't have enough. Somebody who doesn't have the confidence. Somebody who freely asks, a child does that, freely asks for anything they need and doesn't need to have the answer before they proceed. Can I tell you something funny about us, especially in these days, living in such a wealthy society, we really believe that we need more than we have in order to proceed. We really do. Those of us who grew up in the old days, and the older I get, the, the more I'll tell you about the old days. But a lot of us grew up poor. We didn't have anything. We didn't know we didn't have anything because nobody around us had anything. And even the rich people acted like they didn't have anything. It was kind of cool, actually. And so, and so people had a custom just in kind of inviting themselves in and sharing whatever you had even when you didn't have much. People would come around the house right around supper time. Just drop in to visit. And you didn't, you never said to them, oh, I'm sorry, we were just about to have supper here. Maybe we can talk another time. You never said that. You said, well, please come in. We're about to have supper. Please, we'd be honored if you would just share a bite with us. That's what you said. Whether you had much or not, that's what you said. My aunt was the queen of this. She was, she was a person who just made everything stretch. She didn't have much. She had five kids. My sister and I were over there half the time. When, when she went camping and she'd catch fish and she'd fry fish, everybody would just smell those fishes come walking. And I remember being at the campsite and looking at those little old fish and thinking, well, I don't know that there's going to be enough for the seven of us. And then there'd people come. And I knew what she was going to say. Every one of us kids looked at our aunt like, is there going to be enough? And, and my Aunt Frances would just look at us and she'd say the same thing every time. We'll make do. That's what she said. We'll make do. And sure enough, she'd invite them in and we'd make do. You know, it's kind of funny how we pray to God these days. Oh God, I need more. God, I, I want to do what you, what you say, but I need more. I, I, I need I need more money and I need more time and I need more wisdom. I need more knowledge. I don't know what I'm doing and I, and I need more. I need to know where this is going. And I, and I, and I need more skills. I, 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 you know, pastors asking us to have conversations with strange people. I'm an introvert. 
I get nervous talking to people I know. I, 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 need, I need more faith. Do you understand who you're praying to? This is the God who never had enough. This is the God who had to borrow an animal trough to be born in because he just made do. This is the God who had to borrow a boat to preach from because he didn't have a boat and he just had to make do. This is the God who had to borrow a little boy's lunch to feed the multitudes because he didn't have lunch of his own and he just had to make do. This is the God who had to borrow a donkey for his own parade because he didn't have a donkey and he just had to make do. This is a God who had to borrow a room for his own last supper because he had no place to lay his head and he just had to make do. This is a God who had to borrow a tomb to be, to be buried in because he didn't own a thing and he just had to make do. Do you understand how our prayers to God, oh God, I need more. Come back with this answer. We'll make do. You got enough. We'll make do. You just step out. We'll make do. That's the God we believe in. Because God wants us to have a dream so big. God wants us to have a goal so big that it doesn't matter what we don't have as long as we know who we do have. It doesn't matter. I remember starting out with Becky. I'm going to try and hurry here because we're running late. But I, I, we, we didn't have two nickels rubbed together when we started out our ministry. And I didn't know, I didn't have the foggiest clue what I was doing in ministry. I had no idea where to even, I, I couldn't set goals. I didn't know what goals were. I didn't know, I had nothing. We were so poor. <laughs> Literally, the government would send us money. Just I, I, we just remember getting checks because we didn't know we were poor, but they just kept, you know, you know, every tax time say, "You poor people, I can't believe you're even trying to pay taxes." Here, take it all back. You can't. You don't owe us anything. You know, we had. Do you remember when Japanese stuff was junk before it got good? It used to be really junky. That's what we had. We had a Japanese car. Didn't have any air conditioning. And we'd open up the windows and the, the carpet was so bad that the filaments of that carpet would just float up and just, and we'd be going down the road and we'd be singing, ain't got a barrel of money. Maybe we're ragged and funny, but we're traveling along, singing our songs side by side. Don't know what's coming tomorrow. Maybe it's trouble and sorrow, but we'll travel the road, sharing our loads side by side in all kinds of weather. What if the sky should fall? Just as long as we're together, it really doesn't matter at all. That's how we lived our lives, because we had a dream. We had a dream together. And do you know what that dream was? You, you, we said, God is someday 
you can give us a congregation that loves you. If someday you can give us a congregation that will follow you. If someday you can give us a congregation who will change the world because they love like Jesus loves, that's all we ask. And we don't need anything. We'll make do. So when I ask that we go out and we have these conversations, I'll teach you how, but it'll take a little bit. Take a little bit of initiating. Take a little bit of, oh, I gotta start this somehow. I gotta ask, just make an initial conversation. You might have 15 initial conversations with somebody because they don't go deep immediately. Remember the sower of the seed? Just, you know, some of it fell on, on, on shallow ground and the devil came down, the birds came down and ate it up. Devil's always wanting to snatch away when you're trying to reach out. He's always wanting to snatch it away. And some people's hearts are so stony that even if it sprouts up, even if the initial conversation goes all right, you know, they've been hurt so many times and so have so many of us that we, we, we don't want to go deep because it risks a whole lot. But I got to tell you, God doesn't want those stones to prevent new life. There's a passage in Isaiah that he predicts someday, I'll take away your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I know you've been hurt. I know you got all these categories and all these fears and all these insecurities, but someday I'm gonna give you a heart of flesh because stony barriers cannot keep love out. That's what Romeo told Juliet when he <laughs> climbed up the wall in the balcony scene. She said, how'd you get up here? Don't you know if my family sees you, you're gonna be killed? And he just said, stonier barriers can't keep love out. That's what God was saying to us when he was buried in that tomb and they rolled that big old rock, stony barriers can't keep love out. So let me tell you what we're gonna do right now. We're gonna have a little fun, all right? I'm gonna get, I'm just gonna have a moment of silence so the Holy Spirit can speak to you, specifically. And I'm gonna pray, God, lay on all of our hearts who you would have us initiate a conversation with. It might be a person, might be a group, or it could be, if nobody comes to mind right away, um, um, a, um, a TBD, to be determined. You know, keep alert as you walk along, I'll tell you, all right? But right now, let me just pray that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit just reveal to each of us, maybe a group of people that we've been curious about to get to know better, or a person that we've been curious about that we would like just to get to know them better that would, be, that would be so interesting to us. Or somebody our heart goes out to when we see them at the water cooler. Or we don't know, We're, it's up to you. But just tell us right now which of those folks it is. Amen.